go to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 2. And we'll read three verses there. And we'll dive into this. Reigning with Christ. And later on in this message, I'll, I'll let you know how I, what really sparked an interest in me on this very, this very word. Let's pray. Father, I ask and pray for your blessing upon the reading, upon the preaching, and upon the hearing and receiving of your word. God, may it be a blessing to every person, God, that readily and joyfully receives it. In Jesus' name, amen. Reigning with Christ is what we're looking at today. Ephesians chapter number 2, starting with verse number 4. But God, who is rich in mercy... Boy, I like that. It ain't that he's, it's a little bitty pond there, and when he dips out of that and he's done with that, he ain't got him. No, it's a whole huge ocean. It's a whole huge uh, uh, reservoir that he has. But God, who is rich in mercy. If I, another place in the Bible talks about according to his riches. If I gave you money according to what I have in my billfold, particularly after yesterday was ended with the wedding, <laughs> according to what I have, you wouldn't get much. If Bill Gates gave you money according to what he had in his billfold and to according to what he was worth, you would get a whole lot more. Same difference here. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, let me stop right there. For me to get this in my mind, that verse, and similar ones like it, and being dead in sin, to me, using the word deadened, helps and makes more sense to me. It's much like when you go to the dentist and he gives you a shot to deaden that gum. Unless you're Irish Shell and she says, pull it, I don't want the shot, I don't like how that feels, go ahead. You're kidding me. No, pull it, pull it. Her boy wants four or five shots. <laughs> and what is that dentist doing? He's deadening that. And a person without Jesus is dead. He is deadened to things of God. But then the moment the person is born again, he becomes alive to the things of God. So any person that's lost without Jesus, they're deadened to the things of God. But God has quickened us together with Christ. By grace, you're saved, thank God. And has raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Rich in mercy, the marvel of grace. 
Redemption brings the sinner into God's presence, not as a criminal, but as someone that's been forgiven and now can become a worshiper of the true God. And in what I've just read, I see a snapshot of and what heaven will even be like in John chapter 12, verse 2. There they made Jesus a supper. Martha served. What did Martha do? Served. Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with Jesus. Lazarus was seated with Jesus. And then we get in verse number three, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. What did she do? She worshiped. That is a snapshot of heaven. Martha shows us our occupation. The Bible says in Revelations, his servants shall serve him. We look at somebody like Donald Trump and think, oh, Donald, with all that money, can't you do something with your hair? <laughs> with all of his money, oh, how great is Donald Trump. You go to New York, you see all them buildings with his name on them. And yet God looks at Donald Trump's chauffeur as being greater than the Donald. You know why that is? The servant. The servant. God will always look at it that way. We have trouble looking at it that way, but God's ways are not man's ways. Abraham, my servant. Moses, my servant. Joshua, my servant. David, my servant. Isaiah, my servant. Jeremiah, my servant. Paul, my servant. John, my servant. That, if you are a servant, that puts you in real good company. Lazarus shows us our position in Christ. We have been quickened together. No longer deadened. We're quickened. God has raised us up together, and God has seated us together. We see scriptures like this, the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness. We see scriptures like this, that we are God's workmanship. We see scriptures like this, that we're brought close to God by the blood of Jesus. Scriptures like this, we are of the household of faith. We're built together for a habitation of God through the Holy Spirit. Reigning with Christ means that we're not going to be the same. God can change us. God shows us his love in the crucifixion. God shows us his power in the resurrection. You combine both of them together and what you get is a transformation that God can do in any life. And then start reigning, we start reigning with Christ. God changes us, and one of the ways is through right here, right here, the Bible. I see Jesus in the very first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, 
I see Jesus there because in Revelation 22, Jesus said, I am the beginning and the end. In the beginning, God. I see Jesus there because Isaiah says, his name should be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. In the beginning, God created I see Jesus there because John chapter 1 says, All things were made by Jesus. When I see a piece of bread, I think of Jesus because he's the bread of life. When I see a door, I think of Jesus because he is the door. When I see a flower, I think of Jesus because he is the lily of the valley. When I see a lamb, I think of Jesus because he was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world was even laid. And when I see the Bible, I think of Jesus because he is the living word. In Genesis, he's the promised one. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is the scapegoat. In Numbers, he's the brazen serpent. In Deuteronomy, he's the great lawgiver. In Joshua, he's prophet, priest, and king. In Judges, he's the judge of all the world. In Ruth, I like this one, he's the kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he's the anointer of kings. In First and Second Kings, he's the king of kings and lord of lords. In First and Second Chronicles, he's the great historian. In Ezra, He's the rebuilder of the temple. And in Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of the wall. In Esther, he's the savior of Israel. In Job, he's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. In Psalms, he's the song of the ages. In Proverbs, he is the truth. In Ecclesiastes, he's the wonderful preacher. In Song of Solomon, he's the lover of my soul. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. And in Jeremiah, he's the weeping prophet. In Lamentations, he is mercy, he is new every morning in Ezekiel he's the wheel in the middle of a wheel in Daniel he's the stone cut without hands in Hosea he's the forgiving one in Joel he pours out his spirit in Amos he's the spiritual plumb line for his people in Joel in Obadiah his holiness and deliverance in Jonah he thank God goes after the backslider in Micah he's the redeemer that will be born in Bethlehem in Nahum, he is slow to anger. In Habakkuk, he's my salvation in street. In Zephaniah, he rejoices over me with singing. In Haggai, he is with me. In Zechariah, he tells me, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. In Malachi, he rises with healing in his wings. Let's shift. As we take a breath, let's now shift to the New Testament. In Matthew, he's the king of kings. In Mark, he is the servant. In Luke, he's the son of man. In John, he's the son of God. In Acts, he is the name that we call upon for salvation. In Romans, he is the dynamite of the gospel. In First and Second Corinthians, he's the restorer. In Galatians, he's the rent veil. In Ephesians, he is the heavenly one. In Philippians, he's our supply. In Colossians, he's the hope of glory. In First and Second Thessalonians, he's coming again for us. 
alive. In First and Second Timothy, he's our great appearing God. In Titus, he's our blessed hope. In Philemon, he's the forgiving one. In Hebrews, he's the best of all. In James, he's the fulfiller of the law. In First and Second Peter, he is the foundation of our salvation. In First, Second, Third John, he's our assurance. In Jude, he can keep us from falling. In Revelations, he's the one that said, I am he that was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Thank God. This message dropped in my heart thanks to Shelly Clark. It's been a month or so back. I was driving past a church. I'm listening to an Orchardville Church CD. She, Shelly, is singing a song. The, and in this song, I can't ever remember a song. The only song I can sing word for word is Happy Birthday. But um, she was singing a song about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reigned. And the moment I read a church sign that said these words, Our God reigns, the very next half of a second later, she sang that verse and that, those words, Holy Spirit reign, R-A-I-N. And on the, the on, name to marquee, what do they call that? Sign. That's, here's your sign. <laughs> That's it. That's it. It said, our God reigns, R-E-I-G-N-S. There, there it is. Our God reigns. Then Holy Spirit reign, R-A-I. I in. I hate using this word, but I'll use it anyway. I think that's the recipe. I think that's how it works. When we allow God to reign in our heart, what is God going to do? He's going to reign in our lives. Let's do something here. I want everybody in the balcony to help me out. I want you to start. People are going, oh, no, what's he going to do? I want you to start snapping your fingers and keep snapping them. This section over here, start snapping your fingers, please. This section here. This section here. Right here. A section here. A section over here. That's good. That's good. The Bible talks about that God's sending the former and the latter rain to fall upon us. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, in verse 7, Solomon talked about the rain cycle 4,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago. Talked about the rain cycle. How the rain falls, evaporation 
takes it back up, it forms into clouds and rain falls and evaporation takes it back up and the rain falls. Just like the rain, that's the best way I could think about, you know, thinking that like, sound like rain, I guess. What causes that to happen in a church service? What causes that to happen in a person's life? I think it's the evaporation of our praise that goes up. And if we don't ever have that within our life, I don't know how you can ever expect the praise cycle to work in your life. If you're never willing to send up the evaporation of our praise that will go up and form into clouds, and then God by his spirit to be able to rain upon us. The rain cycle is much like the praise cycle. <clears throat> Trivia question. What's the tallest mountain range in the world? Himalayas is correct. Tallest mountain? Mount Everest. Mount Everest is five miles tall. Five miles above sea level. It's 1,500 miles long. And when I read these things, that wasn't the five miles. I mean, good night. I can't, yeah, five miles. 1,500 miles, that's a long stretch. That'd be a mountain range starting in Illinois and running to Utah. But that wasn't what amazed me. No, it's how wide this mountain range is. Anyone want to venture a guess how many miles wide? Anyone? Five miles wide. That's a good guess, but that's wrong. Anybody else? Ten miles is a good guess, but that's wrong. Anyone else? The average, and it goes some sections is bigger than this, some sections slightly smaller. The average width of the Himalaya Mountains is 200 miles wide. And on one side, from a view way above it, it's lush and green. And on the other side is the Gobi Desert. That mountain literally interrupts the rain cycle. That mountain is higher than the clouds. There's no way they can float and go 200 miles across rock. It interrupts the rain cycle. I wonder what type of mountain has interrupted your praise cycle. 
a mountain of distortion, a mountain of, of unforgiveness, a mountain of doubt, a mountain of unbelief. What in your life is 200 miles wide and it's distorting and interrupting everything that God wants to do in your life? I can't answer that. You got to answer that. Don't let a spiritual Mount Everest interrupt what God's wanting to happen in your life. Now, there's one more rain. Psalms 139, the Lord has taken control of my reins. R-E-I-N-S. Much like a rider on a horse. And when you look up the word, that word means heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Just like a rider wants to take those reins and direct your life. And a rider that knows what he's doing can train that horse to where it's just one little bitty flip on that rein and that horse is going that direction. God wants to be able to move in my life and control the reins of my life. My heart, my mind, my soul, and my spirit. See, here's the thing. And it's faulty preaching from a lot of pulpits for a lot of years. You get saved, that's about it, and you just, you know, wait until one day you, you go to heaven. I think that's faulty. You get saved, thank God. God wants you to get to heaven, no doubt about it. But God wants you to be able to reign with him and to be able to impact somebody else's life. Hide it under a bushel? No. Oh. No, let's impact someone else's life and to really be able to do that. To reign with Christ, R-E-I-G, what is it, in? I wrote a book, but uh, yeah, I had trouble with spelling. And then R-A-I-N, to where the reign of the Holy Spirit comes in your life. And then R-E-I-N, where he is controlling our life. Bow your heads, please. <clears throat> Lord, thankful for the times that we get to be able to teach your word and preach your word. And I'm asking and praying, dear God, this morning that each and every one of us would have a better understanding of what that is to be able to reign with you, knowing, Lord, that one day we will reign with you forever and forever and forever. But dear God, right now, you want to reign in our life, the reign of the Holy Spirit, and in doing that, Lord, you want to be able to take a hold of the reins of our life and where you can guide us and lead us. I'm praying, Lord, that if this day for someone here that's never said yes to you as Savior, that you would speak to their heart, that you would deal with them, and today would be their day of saying yes to you. God, maybe there's someone here as a Christian person that a mountain has been interrupting the praise cycle in their life. 
We're asking and praying, God, that today, as Jesus pointed out, that that mountain can be tossed aside and put into the sea and to where they would have that divine flow of your spirit in their life again and that praise cycle working in their life again. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. As they sing, if you have a need for prayer, we invite you to come forward. I know, I know, I know that there will be people that will come up and pray with you. Come on.
Martha there in the book of John chapter 12 of course shows us the servanthood part of it Lazarus shows us that we are seated with him thank God you know we had communion last uh, last Sunday today St. Trey is having it Fairfield's having communion um, do you know that a lot of times they call that the the last supper when Jesus was there with the disciples that's not true um, the Lord's going to eat again and we're going to be able to eat with him seated with him he said that's going to be a long table yeah it will be on it it will be on it but to be able to be seated with him that's what Lazarus shows us in, in a certain um, foreshadowing and typology be seated with him forever and ever and ever and ever to be near him to be with him and I know people's got the idea that we're going to you know float around on a cloud and drink pink lemonade and and to play a harp but it won't be nothing like that pretty certain it won't be nothing like that God's going to give us something to do <clears throat> probably you people like to play golf it's going to be the best golf courses you've ever seen in your <clears throat> Say, yeah, I'll be able to shoot a hole in one every time. No, you won't. You're asking. <clears throat> and then Mary, she shows us the worship part. And again, I think it's very fitting for us to be able to praise Him and for that praise like evaporation to go up and form them clouds and the rain of the Holy Spirit to drop down upon us one more time. Thank God. That's why it's so needful, because the reign of the Holy Spirit can do more in two minutes than whatever preacher can do for two years. And that's why we need the reign of the Holy Spirit. Let's do the, let's do the finger snapping again. That's what we need, the reign of His Holy Spirit. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677. i